I finally installed it. The Ubiquity Dream Machine. Talking about that, talking about some earbuds, more networking, more Wi-Fi, all kinds of goodness in this episode of Reset. Let's yeah. go. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is Reset. It can be found at reset.fm. Yeah. I'll be talking about anything that plugs in or takes batteries. Mostly home automation, networking, home storage, and technology in general. Reset was inspired by a bent paperclip that has been sitting on my desk for years. Reminds me to be adventurous and have fun, because there's usually a reset button. Let's get started. Welcome back to Reset, everybody. I'm your host, David McCabe. Thanks for tuning in. Reset number 69. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash McCabe.io. If I talk about any links, you'll find it out there at reset.fm. Put uh, slash, what, 69. That's the episode. So if I talk about anything, I'll try to throw it out there. If I don't throw it out there, go to the Reset Forums, resetforums.com. And you can yell at me all you want. Or you can yell at me on Twitter, too. I'll eventually reply. I try to do less and less social media. I do. I'm doing more Facebooks, mostly because I do the marketplace. I'm always scanning the marketplace for something. Sometimes I sometimes I luck out, sometimes I don't. So you never know. You never know when someone's going to throw that out there. But hey, if you want some reset swag, I've got a sale coming up. It's going to be March 8th. That's the start date. What is that? Is that a Sunday? Why would it start on a Sunday? I don't know, but that's the day I chose. March 8th, and that's daylight savings time. I'm sorry about that. That's spring forward. It's what? Fall back, spring forward. Spring forward, fall back. Yep, that's right. So we lose a day, or you lose a day. No, that's the international dateline. I've done that before. That's crazy. No, you lose an hour, so you spring forward if you participate in that kind of savings time thing. Okay, enough on that. I finally installed the Ubiquity Dream Machine, and I thought I'd talk a little bit about that. So if you don't know... The UDM, we'll call it the UDM from here on out. And what a weird name. I mean, just Dream Machine. I don't even like Dream Machine. That's kind of kind of silly, but well, it's okay. It's If you're into Ubiquity Networks or you've looked at Ubiquity Networks ever, you know that you can buy access points. You can mix and match all these little access points to your heart's content. But in order to fire them up, in order to provision them, you need a controller. And that was always the pain point for me. It was like this Java program running on some PC that you had to have in order to gather the statistics or to provision a new access point. You had to have this. It was always kind of a pain. You could purchase a separate piece of hardware called a key. I think, I don't know, a key controller or something. But you could purchase this you know, for 100 bucks. So you got this little baby computer running on your network for $100. And, you know, they give you trouble. They die. It, there was all sorts of issues just with that in itself. Now, it's gotten better. Ubiquity came out with a controller like 2.0. Really nice looking. Rack mountable. If you buy this little rack controller or this little rack faceplate thing some of them have screens on them and the advanced one 
you could throw a hard drive in it and put your cameras, your ubiquity cameras. Don't think that you can just throw any camera out there. You have to have the ubiquity cameras. But it would also be the controller for those cameras, which that's pretty cool. Well, those are expensive. Those are even more money. So I've never been a big fan of the controller. I always ran it. Well, I ran it on a Windows PC. And inevitably, this is what happens. You install it on your PC. And you think, I'm just going to install this here just to get my access point running. And then your five, six access points into your network, it's still running on your PC. And mine on my Windows PC would just... It would just go haywire. I mean, literally, it would go haywire. The thing would reboot to do its updates, and the controller would be offline. It wouldn't gather statistics. Something would screw up. Like, my guest network would drop if my controller wasn't on. It was weird. So, I'm like, this is this is not good. I transferred it to a Mac Mini. Not like a new one. I mean, like a really old Mac mini really super duper old but super duper cheap and it runs perfect i mean you can run this thing on your synology nas you can run it on a raspberry pi there's all kinds of flavors of devices you can run this on and keep it up 24 7 so that was the goal let's keep this up 24 7 and have it do you know that stat reporting mechanism which is really kind of cool they've got this page where you can go to and let's see where's mine i closed my tab i was looking through it earlier and trying to find out my bandwidth hog i have a bandwidth hog in my house and i don't know (laughs) side side note here i don't know to trust the bandwidth counter on this silly thing at all now you can you can click through here so I can go through my statistics. Yeah, I click the statistics tab and it it pre-highlights, you know, let's just say some social network games, network protocols, streaming media, and web. It highlights all these little round graphs. And you can click on these and click them on, click them off, and it will show you the data that it's causing. So if I take off all all the tabs except web, I show 318 gigabytes of web. Now, that may seem like a lot, but I'm going to tell you right now, I have uh, I have a Synology NAS doing a nightly backup to Amazon, a complete like photos and videos backup to the Amazon cloud. So I've got a lot of gigabytes going every night. So but it classifies that for me. So I click web in the in the traffic and it gives me a breakout of my web traffic. So it tells me Amazon Amazon CloudFront are taking a lot of data. So right here it says Amazon 304 gigabytes. So that's that's a lot. That's a lot of the gigabytes, right? And it'll also show me it'll overview that data i can click on apps and it'll show me which app that is i guess this would be app it's going to right or what like ebay i see ebay imagine that ebay has a lot of data going to it from my household yeah that's me 
and I can see Amazon, Amazon CloudFront, but I can click over on the Users tab, and then I can nail down, okay, what MAC address on my network is cranking out all this data. Now, here's where I'm having trouble on my home network, because I see something called Dave PC, and it has 53 gigabytes up, 421 gigabytes down. I'm like, how? I don't even understand. I really don't understand it. This is just for web. This is for web. This is HTTP or HTTPS, I guess. Yikes. The other problem is Dave PC. I don't even own this computer. This belongs to one of my kids. Now, fortunately, it is in the same room that I am in, which is a requirement um, for their gaming. These two kids of mine have gotten into PC gaming, and I'm not going to blame that on anybody but myself because I kind of showed them the way. It's like, hey, guys, PC gaming is pretty cool. You should look at this. And I swear to God, all their money is going to Steam and uh, all kinds of games right now. But I look over here at Dave PC, and it's going crazy, crazy, crazy amounts of data. If I go ahead and click on that, I look at all of the data, not just HTTP, but all of the data. If I look at HTTP protocol over SSL, it is 12 terabytes. So total 21 terabytes down, 550 gigabytes up. And I'm like, how is this possible? I don't even know how this is possible. So one of the things about Ubiquity, and I'm going to say in this dream machine, if we're doing a review here, is it's got a little bit of complexity to it. So you can imagine I've got some Google search tabs all over my computer right now on how to reset stats. And I'm coming up between February and March. I want to do like a complete reset. I'm doing virus scans on my kids' PCs, which I do that regularly. But I'm also, you know, you look at Windows and you can go through Windows and look at apps to see what has like transpired, you know, what kind of data they're um sending up and down and I really nothing really jumped out at me like there's a problem right so I didn't see you know I saw you know I see some data from Steam but it all looked normal and that's on the PC itself said you know Steam has x gigabytes well yeah they're good these kids are going to transfer a lot of data to Steam back and forth so I don't mind that they're playing games right so statistics can be fun it can also be just I mean, it's a mess. It is. This is a crazy mess. The other th- cool thing is you can look at uh, per client data. You can look at per access point data. And I can look like I've got, I don't remember which one this is. There's a ring camera that looks like it's transferring a lot of data. Oh, there's a clear current stats button. Imagine that. Let me see if that's on my last clear categories, add category. So that's what I got to figure out is how to clear this stuff and how to get it on a monthly. And I want it on a monthly basis, right? Because that's what Xfinity is getting me on is per month. Now, I'm over my one terabyte per month. And this is my fault because I am transferring a lot of data up 
to Amazon. And I'm okay with that. If they charge me an extra 10 bucks, I'm okay with that to get the data upstream and have it backed up. So that is currently what I'm doing. Now you can also map out if you load a map of your property, of your house, a blueprint. You can map out those access points. That's really kind of cool. You can go down to devices. Now when we say devices, we mean access points. And I've got several of those. And now to describe the Ubiquity Dream Machine a little bit more as a device, it is the access point. It is a managed switch. I mean, full on managed. You want to do VLANs? Boom. You can do it right there. And it is, I'm just going to say, it, it calls itself a gateway, but it's a router, right? It's a UDM. I call it UDM, but it's a complete router. It uh, hook it up, it's got a WAN port, and it does all the business for you, right? So you can manage all of that. You can manage networks, DHCP, everything and anything in that is possible to manage. So that is really cool that it, it is all of that all in one. So, well, Dave, that's not special, right? You can buy a Netgear router. You can buy an Eero. I mean, heck, one single Eero is WAN LAN, right? It's a router. The Dream Machine, it's a little more, right? It's a little more than that. And if you've ever kind of experienced that system and you've ever looked at it, you kind of know that all of those devices are right there in front of you on one web page and you can do a little bit more with it. Yeah, it might be a little bit of a pain, but you can do a little bit more. So that's kind of cool. And when you have all of those devices, you it's kind of like filling your circles on your on your fitness watch. You have all of the devices on one page and you don't have to go anywhere else and it shows you everything. Otherwise, it's going to show you I have access points. I don't have switches and or I don't have a gateway. So it shows you all of that and you can get to it. Also need to upgrade my firmware, which I haven't done in a while. I kind of it's working, so I don't I kind of don't mess with it. So it was a I don't know, a week ago, two weeks ago, I picked a day and I moved the coax that is going into my cable modem. And I did a jumper. I had to jumper that to my living room. And because that's where I'm going to put the access point. I'll be dang, I'm not going to put an access point, especially a very powerful access point in my basement to do nothing. I wanted to do, I wanted to test it. I wanted to use it and see what it's like. So that's what I'm doing. I got, I made sure that was running on the old network, right? Move the cable modem. Everything's hunky dory. Just let that bake. Let it bake. And then, man, I started. Um, I probably didn't leave myself enough time, but I really, I did it fairly quickly. I'm talking about maybe an hour. And that includes logging into the old system and taking the access point out, right? So you kind of, you, you just say forget, forget this access point. And it just wipes it right then and there and reboots it. And then it'll come up, it'll be in your system and it'll say, hey, I have, I see an access point out there that doesn't have a home. It doesn't have a, 
you know, a controller assigned to it. Do you want to adopt that? You click the adopt button. Um, it works fairly quickly and it works pretty well. And I just went through everything and did the forget on every single one of those devices. I did quite a bit of uh, paperwork prior to that. I did, you know, I, I kind of wrote down everything. I did a lot of screen capture, actually, of, you know, what I had going on. Because my old system was not able to, I wasn't able to edit the DHCP server. And I always have this list of, I like to do a single class C network and I, from dot one, let's just call it 192.168.1.1 to 1.50, I like to kind of reserve all that, right? I don't want anyone to use that. And then I actually reserve even more, but I start at dot 100 to dot 200 as my DHCP pool. And then you've got from, you know, 200 to 254 if you want to, you know, open it up more, if you need 150 devices. But I'm, I don't know that I'm ever going to get up to 200 devices in my house. I mean, I'm not doing lighting or I'm not doing a whole lot of home automation on Wi-Fi. I know that I continue to add more and more, but that's that's a lot of devices. I think at one single class C address will suffice for most homes. And uh, if you have more than man, I, I feel I feel sorry for you. That is a mess to manage. But I I did all the screen captures, make sure everything's good, make sure I could get into everything, I could log in, everything's good. You know, I did kind of a sweep of my network prior to this. I actually did a lot of homework prior to this move which I usually don't do. I usually just, I'm standing there going, I'm thirsty. Okay, let's redo the network. Bam! (laughs) You know, power switches, bam, 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 bam. And then when I get everything cleared, and I'm like, dang, I really wish I would have done something different, right? Nope. This this time, this time I kind of did my homework, and I'll be damned. I can't say, can I say that on the radio? I can say that. It's the internet, right? I'll be dang if it didn't go smooth, right? It went smooth. So that was that was refreshing. Now, I did have some issues with the Dream Machine getting it, like, getting it to recognize my old sign-on, right? It really wasn't being smart about it. So what I did is I hooked it all up, I got it into the cable modem, and I saw it talking to the cable modem. I saw traffic passing back and forth. But if, you, if you've if you ever been on cable, you know you can have issues bringing up a new router. Like, their system sees a new MAC address, right? It sees a new outside MAC address for your network. And sometimes that takes a little bit of syncing, whatever they're going to call it, syncing, propagation, you know, routing, you know, BGP. I don't know what they're doing with it, but sometimes it takes a little bit to get that kicked in the pants so it starts routing your traffic on your cable modem, uh, that layer two to layer three and off and running. I saw it transferring the data, so I thought everything was cool, and that really could have been the issue, 
But when you turn everything off, you just turn everything off, right? Um, I also plugged into the side with an Ethernet device, and I was having trouble doing that too. So um, I kind of just let it sit and then finally logged in. I assumed that it was the cable modem, new router issue, got logged in, everything just flew through the setup. I mean, flew, it was it was a really nice, refreshing process, and it was something I did not expect at all. You know, I expect this from Eero. I expect it from, you know, maybe a couple, a handful of other network providers. I did not expect it from Ubiquity, and it just, boom, it ran. Now, they also give you an app for your phone, which is really kind of cool because you can get all the data that you can get off of the PC on this app, and you can control your controllers, your devices, your clients, your statistics. You can change your DHCP scope. Anything you can do on a controller with a web browser, you can do with the app, which I find that fantastic because... There was a lot of like inequalities, right, from apps to web logins. And I kept kind of pointing my finger at Netgear. They were very famous for this. You know, you can get tons of stuff. You log in with a web browser. But you go to their app, and it's like, dog. (laughs) It's awful. Just simply awful. So, okay, the UDM. 802.11ac, 4x4, uh, managed 4-port gigabit switch. Advanced security gateway with intrusion detection, intrusion prevention, and a network controller on the Unify system, whatever you want to call that. It says, I'm reading, scalable through additional unified devices connected to LAN. Okay, you can add extra access points. It will manage your old access points, right? So I just started plugging in access points. Now, I did take the time to move some things around because I took an AC Pro, which is a ceiling mount that I had kind of thrown on top of my entertainment system and turned it off and moved it. And I put it in a different location because it's it's got a little power to it. And I also moved around a couple of uh, just, they're called AC Mesh. It's a Unify AP AC Mesh. It's the little stick and it's got two antennas I just call them sticks. Two antennas coming off of the top of them. They're cheap. You can get them for 89 to 99 bucks on Amazon or Newegg if you watch your prices. And they're not uh, speed demons. I think they're two by two. But they get the job done. What I found is they, they pump out 2.4. 2 gigahertz for some of you folks that don't like me to say 2.4. They pump out 2.0, 2 gigahertz, very well. They do that very well. And to some of your devices that need to be on the 2 gigahertz band, they're perfect for that. I try to put them on my edges. I mean, edge, way out edge. Now, they also mesh. So you can tell them to connect over Wi-Fi if you can. And you can also plug them into Ethernet. And if the Ethernet ever goes down, they will just jump right back into a mesh. So you kind of have that little that little backup going for you there. Very good devices. I've got a I've got a flat panel that I don't have hooked up. It's laying around here somewhere. 
and I've got an I've got an AC mesh laying around that I'm not using as well. So I'm pretty my network is pretty good right now, and I pulled out two access points. Two access points are powered off, not even being used. What I did is I powered up in stages, right? I got the UDM. It's got an access point, and boy, does it blast data. It's It's got a good Wi-Fi system to it. It is cranking. I mean, I can get to it in a lot of places in my house. I don't have edge issues in the bathrooms or, you know, surrounding bedrooms or anything. It pumps out really good Wi-Fi. Now, I do have it up high. Turn the blue light off because it has a blue light. It's round and it's very, very bright. I kind of thought it was cool, but you can really see it from a mile away. So I turned it off. Spousal acceptance factor in action right there. Turned that off and it's really good. So I just started with some edge access points. Edge access points trying to cover doorbells, trying to cover edge cameras and in my basement for kids when they go down and play Xbox so they connect their iPads and their phones, right? Two access points sitting on the floor. Now I'll probably reevaluate because I do have some it'll give you stats on devices that are having trouble making connections. It'll tell you, "Hey, this thing has done some connect retries or some packet fail, you know, here and there." So you take that data and you, then you fill in and try to improve your Wi-Fi network. Something that I don't know a lot of devices do out there, right? This thing does. You just got to kind of dig for it and and make it happen. So that's the other good thing is you can add all of your access points that you were using on your old controller and use the unified, uh, the Ubiquiti Dream Machine as the controller. It's been rock solid, no complaints, it's up 10 days possibly, and working very well. So what I'm going to do is just kind of sit, kind of wait this thing out, see how it's doing. And um, I mean, if you have questions, let me know. We can talk about this in the forums. We can talk about it on the Twitters or whatever you would like. But that's the Unified Dream Machine. Now, since I purchased it, even before I even installed it, uh, Ubiquity came out with the Unified Dream Machine Pro which UDM Pro, like, oh, maybe I should have waited and got the Pro. Darn it. Okay, let me tell you about the Pro. Without having a tab up, because I don't have a tab up, off the top of my head, it is a rack mount system, and it does not have an access point built into it. But it has a spot for a hard drive. Now, that hard drive would allow you to add cameras, Ubiquiti's cameras, mind you, to the UDM Pro. So no access point. It has a very small screen, and it's rack mount, which is kind of cool if you're doing the rack porn thing, but I'm not. I am anti-rack porn. You can, mine's not pretty, but it works. (laughs) I have multiple racks throughout the house, or really, um, 
it's a, I think it's fifty dollars more expensive. That's not that's not that much more expensive, but it does. You have to put a hard drive in it if you want to use the cameras. If you're going to use their cameras, then you got to use their cameras. You got to pay for them, which they're a little expensive. They do have a starter one, but um, I did not want to do that. I have licenses on my Synology for cameras. I barely use that, and I have tons of ring. So I didn't need another system. I've got wise cameras too. Jeez, I don't need another camera system. So I was happy about that. I didn't want to mount this thing uh, in my rack. Well, I'll take that back. I, I, I would have been fine. I would have been fine mounting it in the rack because it doesn't have an access point. So no big deal. I'm not going to put this thing under my TV, right? Just because it has an access point. But it doesn't. So I would have been fine. It Actually, it would have been more convenient for me because I don't have to move the cable modem. So I'm moving the cable modem to be right by the router, right? Router, cable modem, or UDM, dream, the Dream Machine, and the cable modem are in my cabinet underneath the television. So I would have been fine with that. But hindsight now that I have the Dream Machine, the, the little R2-D2 looking Dream Machine, if you've looked the picture up by now, the access point in that thing is fantastic. I mean, wow, it is amazing. So hindsight, I'm happy I bought the UDM and not the UDM Pro. Although if I went Pro, I would have been fine. I would have totally been fine with it. I just would have had all the old access points in the same spot. Hardly anything would have changed. So that's the review. Happy with it? Yes. Would I do it again? Absolutely. Um, Expensive? Yeah. This thing is expensive. I paid, let's look at uh, Ubiquity. I think I paid $300. Dream. Makin. $299 in stock store.ui.com that's expensive y'all i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know blow sunshine up the the you know it's that's expensive that's crazy expensive fast 1.7 gigahertz quad core processor well yeah it's expensive but if you add all that up an access point a managed switch what is it oh a controller (laughs) An access point, a managed switch. It's not three devices. It is one device. Okay, I'm going back to the old 2007 iPhone announcement. But um, 300 bucks. You have to decide if that's worth it to you or not. If you don't get that, then I haven't been in, uh, in Wi-Fi in quite some time. So I don't know what you would get. But you're going to pay a whole lot more money for a big ginormous Eero system than what I've paid for this too. I, I, I think it's going to, I think it's going to even out. I need to be careful on how I say that because I don't know the, the Eero prices right now because they did come out with a little cheaper version. But this is really, really, really good equipment. So, and I hope it lasts and I hope I can stop goofing around with the Wi-Fi. I do have some edge issues that I need to address that are really, really crazy for me, but it's it's all good right now. Now, I want to share with something with you. They also came out with some other gear, and this is a Flex Mini Switch. This is unreal. It's a Unify Compact 
five port gigabit switch for $29. $29. This is managed. This is a managed switch. You can power it with PoE as well. That is amazing. So you uplink. Let's say you have an edge problem. You need to get network out to an edge of your house, to the attic, to your whatever, your garage, whatever. Go PoE to it. And then you've got four gigabit Ethernet ports that are managed. So if you're doing VLANs, boom, done. $29. Now, the other problem is sold out. Yeah, that was pretty nice. Everybody, it's going to be sold out for a while, I think. Um, no surprise there. And Ubiquity equipment on Amazon is kind of touch and go. Same with uh, Newegg.com. Generally, if it's sold out on Ubiquity, it's sold out pretty much everywhere. They also have announced a sixteen, a new, I'm going to say new, 16-port PoE switch, which I got my eye on this. Because it's $199. That is a nice looking 16 port um, switch. Uh, I'm going to take a look at that. The last piece of gear is called the Unify Smart Power Plug. A smart plug. Home smart. What? So controversial product. Uh, This is going to be debatable. I'm going to read... Uh, the description, a Unify Smart Power Plug is a device installed between the AC outlet and the power plug of an internet modem or router. Whoa. Plug automatically restarts the modem or router by disconnecting power for a short period of time if it loses its connection. Can you believe that? I mean, back in the day... Back in the day, you could look through some settings of uh, IP-based cameras, routers. I think Netgear, Linksys, all these guys had a scheduled reboot function that you just reboot it to freshen it up in the middle of the night, which is crazy, meaning, hey, maybe they've got some memory leaks in their programming, and instead of fixing that, they just, hey, you need to restart me once a night, right? Well, this little device will do it for you. $19. It'll just turn it off, count to 10, turn it on. That's not bad. That's not bad, right? Now, I don't know how customizable this is. I know some D-Link cameras I used to own that needed this. Just, oh, they were awful. They would just drop. Just, they just disconnect. Nope, not going to talk to anything. I'm just going to sit here, draw some draw some power, make you pay for me, but I'm not going to do anything for you. That'd been perfect if you could customize it. Hey, so the plug, the plug's not getting anywhere. Boom, knock it, knock that off, right? Reboot it. I don't know if it'll do that. It's set up to do routers, cable modems, right? If If it loses connectivity, pop the cable modem. Maybe you need that. Maybe you have a DSL modem that needs that. So that's not bad for 19 bucks to have a little bit of... Um, a little bit of peace of mind there, right? Untangle. We have some new Untangle news. They've released uh, NG Firewall 15. I've officially paid for Untangle. That was last year, and I turned off the renew function on that, and it is officially 
uh, out of renewal. I think my uh, my one year anniversary has passed, but I still have it sitting there as it's my backup. If I ever need it, I just fire up the Untangle box, which used to be used to be a PF Sense box. Just fire that up, and off I go, and we're off and running, right? Um, if you're wondering, like I often do, no, the Untangle appliances have not gotten any cheaper. They have a, they're, what it's called is a Z4. It starts at $299. And you think, well, Dave, you just said $299 was a great deal on the uh, Dream Machine. Well, it, it's got a little bit more to it. The, the Untangle box is for 10 to 50 users. So... And that's two hundred ninety nine bucks. You just run it on a computer, and you're fine. I think it's a little expensive. Maybe I get why they do that because they're afraid people are going to use that for uh, businesses and small businesses, and they're going to lose out on the software sale or on their bigger machines because it steps up in price from there and goes to a thousand two hundred dollars. So you know that's no fun. So yes, I know. Just download it, run it on a computer. I just like the idea of an appliance. You know, it's smaller, consumes less power. The Z4, by the way, is a Celeron processor. I mean, you're buying a computer, I guess. Maybe this is worth it. Uh, The power supply is an external brick, so, you know, they can make that smaller. But I doubt that it consumes as much power as the, the Pentium 4 Beast that I had my Untangle running on. But still, 299 bucks can go a long ways towards some upgrades when you've got a computer sitting over here that just, hey, I could just put it on that. I'm not using this old thing, right? So that's a lot. That's a lot. What else do we got here? I think we've worked through pretty much everything. Well, I think that's it. Networking, routing, uh, we're going we're gonna to end it there. Um, I got a few things in my notes that I was uh, looking at. I was like, uh, this new year, I try to clean up everything uh start of the year like email one note i mean how quick can one note get out of hand i don't know if you're like me saving everything i've been but i've been trying to clean and organize one note make a few extra notebooks to kind of clean up the mess i started I, well i started my inbox zero at the beginning of the year right before ces i have two inboxes now i've got gmail and then I also have um, podcast at homeservershow.com and a couple of other email addresses in there that I you know run the forums with and whatnot. Started inbox zero on Gmail and I just checked it. Um, five ninety unread. Five ninety unread. It's maddening. I don't know, you know, most of the time inbox zero, I just grab everything and archive it. Just archive. But I still try to I unsubscribe. If I get something stupid i try to unsubscribe but it's it's crazy um i also get i also get really kind of crazy with my browser tabs i don't know if you're the same way by the end of the day or the end of the week i have you know 20 30 tabs open and it's all like stuff i I go through and i click this well i don't want to close that i need to come back to that all right i'll have five tabs 10 tabs okay a lot of tabs open on YouTube's and I'm like, well, I got to finish watching that and, or I need to watch this. So that's how OneNote gets crazy. I'm like, file this away in OneNote. I need to watch this. So I started using something on 
on Chrome browser. Now I'm using I'm using the new Edge on uh, on the Mac, so I am using that. But to save where I am in a browser, if I sometimes you just need to close the browser, right? And I have a hard time doing that because I have open tabs and I want to come back to these tabs. So I save these in sessions. Now, I used to do, I used to save all the bookmarks into a date folder, uh, as in bookmarks. But I, I found myself never going back to those. I, it just, I don't know why it didn't work for me. But I had this new thing called Session Buddy. It's a Chrome uh, browser plugin. And it'll save all your tabs and you can label it, you know, label it by the date or just label it, hey, this is what, you know, whatever, YouTube tabs or something. It just allows you to save it. So when you go back into Session Buddy, it puts it on the screen. So there's a nice list of your tabs and it'll auto save as well. So it'll show you what you had open like yesterday, right? You don't have to go through the history. and You know, how many times have I searched through history? So Session Buddy, just... Just go into uh, your Chrome or your Edge extension manager or plugin manager and look for Session Buddy. I just installed it directly to Edge. Works really good. Try it. So we'll wrap this up, but I'll I'll leave you with uh, something what I'm reading. I hope you enjoyed the, the last episode, what I'm reading about the Death Valley Germans. If you didn't, go back and grab last episode, 68. Make sure you listen to that. Download and listen to it. So... This week, this episode, I'm an airplane geek. I follow a lot of like airplane type stuff, right? And especially when there is an emergency or there is, you know, some type of catastrophe, I need to know where to go in order to get some information. So I'm going to give you three. These are my three favorite things. Um, I found this first YouTuber. He was covering... A California dam. Now, they were having issues, I think this was two years ago, with a dam that was getting dangerously close to failing. Orville, California, there was a dam that was close to failing. This guy started covering it. Now, he just so happens to be a large airline pilot, so he flies his own plane, he got his own coverage. I mean, his his channel was rough to begin with, but you know, a guy flying a plane, he finally got a drone, he got an actual microphone, and he started making some decent YouTube videos. Even the junkie videos were good. He was, uh, and he covered this rebuilding of this dam. Well, he went into like de- deconstructing airplane incidents when, you know, when there was a crash, he would get on and he would talk about it and he would decipher all these things about the lingo and here's what the pilots do and and all this kind of stuff. So the slightest one um, with the Kobe Bryant helicopter crash, you know, he got on, he got on, and he started talking about that. And he, he has a wealth of knowledge, uh, being a you know a multiple plane pilot and whatnot. So uh, the Blanco Lirio channel, I'll leave you a link in the show notes. Also, I use the app uh, Flight Radar Two Four. If you don't use that app, you really should. And they actually have a uh, I don't know what are you going to call it in the app provision in the app where you can be one of the nodes on the flight radar two four network that tracks the airplanes. Now I know we've got airplane geeks that 
listen to this podcast or used to listen to this podcast because at meetups, we would talk about this stuff all the time. There was uh, uh, a guy by the name of Jet Mac. He would come in. He kind of showed us all this stuff to begin with. And so I've kept up with it ever since. I love the Flight Radar 24 app. Uh, the third one is called Big Jet TV. I'll just leave you with that. Put a link in there. It's kind of fun to watch this guy cover um, just landings. And, and he, he goes live. A couple of weeks ago, he went live um, at uh, Heathrow when they were having this huge side wind. And uh, it's when the it's when the jet stream was uh, really blowing hard and they set the new record uh, going from uh, from U.S. to uh, to Europe. So I learned I learned about the crab maneuver, uh, landing in a crosswind, you know, crab it to the wind, keep the wing into it and, um, you know, not to not to raise that wing, uh, time your flare, land it firm or, or go around. You know, they were they were having a good time uh, covering that. And uh, the uh, Juan Brown was on there, too, from the Blanco Lirio channel. So it was really kind of cool. So I'm going to leave you with that Blanco Lirio channel, Big Jet TV, Flight Radar 24. That's what I'm reading this week. Thanks for listening. And um, hit me up on Patreon, patreon.com slash David McCabe. Keeps the lights on on the forums and the podcasts and all the hosting bills. I really appreciate that. You know, there's a provision there for um, uh, for PayPal. And if you don't if you don't want to do Patreon every week, there's a PayPal link. You just just throw in something there and I'll get it and I'll appreciate it big time. I just recently got one from, I'm going to really mess his name up, forum donation from Julius L. Julius? Julius L. So, I, hey, I appreciate that. Um, big time uh, helps pay the bills, and you can just go in there and pay by one time, just bam. Just comes straight to me. There's a little uh, there's a little box there in the homeservershow.com forum. So, and we'll see you out there, and we'll discuss this show. It's been 69. Thanks for hanging around with me. This has been Reset. It can be found at Reset.fm or over on YouTube at YouTube.com slash David McCabe. Follow on Twitter at McCabe.io and you can discuss this episode and more on Reset Forums. ResetForums.com Intro and outro music is by Daryl Lee. Find it at SoundCloud.com Daryl Music. That's D-E-R-L-E-E Music. Support of this podcast can be done at Patreon, patreon.com slash David McCabe. There's also some shopping links at resetforums.com if you want to use those. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you next week on Reset.